I want to pray for us. We're going to dive into Habakkuk 2 um, and spend a little time together this morning. So pray with me. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just illuminate our hearts with your word. God, that you would speak directly to us. And Father, teach us more about yourself, more about your love for us. And God, what you are continuing to do through Jesus and bring salvation to this world. So God, right now, we just empty ourselves of everything else and we are ready to receive And so would you truly be the teacher today? We pray it in your name. Amen. Well, a little bit about Habakkuk, and this is just very quick. This is not exhaustive. It's a small book in Scripture, right? It's very, very small. Um, He is is someone who is just kind of working his way as a prophet, but it's kind of interesting. I discovered this. In chapter 3, it reads like a psalm, and so there's belief that he was like a worship leader as well. Jeremiah and Ezekiel were priests that were called to be prophet. And and moving from a priest to a prophet was a little bit more difficult style of ministry. And so we see this man doing this. He is kind of progressing along, and God bumps him. And so in a very small book of Scripture, we find out that there is a ton of things going on here. If we look at his name, it has two meanings. It either means to embrace or to wrestle And what we will discover today in Habakkuk is that he was wrestling. And what Habakkuk was wrestling with is what so many of us as well in this room, and if you're hearing this later on, we are wrestling with today. And it's just a backwards, godless culture. Habakkuk finds himself in a situation where if he were watching the news, he would feel the same way we did. What happened? Where did we go wrong? We were a people who used to worship. We were people who feared. We were people who prayed. And now we are are people who are so prideful. We are so arrogant. We we flaunt our sin in front of God as if if it's something to be proud of. And he is in the same exact position. So he is wrestling with culture. And he also, as we read, is wrestling with God. Because at this point in Habakkuk's life, he's saying, why aren't you doing anything about this? So just in a moment of transparency, and you could not if you choose, have you been in that situation in the past days, weeks, years, as, as, as things are going, just going, God, why aren't you doing anything about this? Surely you see what's going on. But what we need to respond, we can ask those questions. He is a big God, I promise you. He can handle your questions. God's not, not embarrassed or frustrated when you ask him questions, why aren't you doing something? We know in Scripture many, many times, Authors and writers and prophets and all these different people, they would just say, God, why aren't you? God, why? And they would, they would argue with God, wrestle with God. But you know what they all did in consistency? They would pray. They would hit their knees, bow their heads, and they would begin to pray to God. So not only just wrestling and asking the questions, but they were pursuing Him. They were aligning their self to God. And we see that today. So Habakkuk 2, 4, very short verse. He says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. He's he's pointing out in culture what's going on. Look at this person who's puffed up, arrogant, prideful. Do we see that in our culture today? Do we see pride, prideful people in our culture? And we do. We watch the news. We, We see all kind of things that are there. 
We, listen, don't even have to watch the news. Just go into a public setting and you will see sin celebrated. You will see just things that just, why? How could, oh, what in the world? What is going on? And we just begin to wring our hands. God, what is happening? He's wrestling with us. We see people whose desires are not upright. But the prophet speaks, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This passage right here, the implications in the New Testament, where Paul himself begins to quote this numerous times. It's used three times in the New Testament. And if we look at the character of Paul, in contrast to Habakkuk, he was not the prophet at first. Saul was the one who was a rising Pharisee, working his way through the levels of rank. From the highest of priests, he was given the, the card to arrest, persecute, kill, run out, stone, whatever. Anyone who was a member of the, of the way, those that were following Christ, he was given all rights to go and do anything to these people he, cho- he chose. Because just like with Jesus, the Pharisees wanted to snuff that out, stop it, end it, get rid of it. And so Saul, at this point in his life, is going forward, carrying this heavy weight of the law. Because what did we learn about the law from the Old Testament? If we only had just a handful of rules, that would make us live right, wouldn't it? No. So let's just add more and more and more and more and more to the point hundreds of laws were written. I don't even know if you could roll your eyes in a synagogue, but you couldn't do so many different things because we had to make rules for rules that we needed rules for because if we don't have those rules, we need more rules. Rules, rules, rules. And it just began to be this heavy, heavy weight that no one could could keep up with. And so what do we know when when we have rules? If any of us in this room remember our teenage years, when you were get a set of rules, and it would be like, don't do, that was the first thing you did. Teachers in school, don't chew gum in class. And then we thought we'd be cute and chew gum, and every time they'd look up, we'd... And then what did they catch you? When we have rules, we want to break them. It's part of our sinful nature. And Paul doesn't, I mean, Saul at this point in his life doesn't have that. So he begins to snuff out and go and go and go. And then Jesus himself speaks to him just calls him out, changes his life completely. And he finds freedom not in law. He finds freedom from the law. And so those that were puffed up are the ones who are, who are bragging about themselves. It's the kings who are like, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm making all these rules. And what do we know about people who make rules? A lot of times they don't live by them. We'll find these people who make law and then they go, but I don't do it. We all get guilty of going, I mean, if I go, if I go 68 miles an hour and a 65, you're going to pull me over, but you went flying past me. You know, the, the police officer going past me at 80 miles an hour, no siren on, no lights on, and we just pass judgment on them. They're above the law, we think. Not every police officer. <laughs> but we do see those, and then we make judgments ourselves, and then we find ourselves just being weighted down with all of this. Listen to Paul in Romans 1. This is what Paul wrote. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is faith from the first to last, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. 
He writes again in Galatians, Clearly no one relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And in Hebrews 10, But the righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. God takes no pleasure in a person who shrinks back. We keep seeing this statement three times in the New Testament, just continue to be illuminated and brought to our, to our attention. Why? It's mentioned three times. Why? It's got to be important. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that we have through Him will be our salvation. It will be how we live. It will not be the law. So if we were to rewind the tape and go all the way back to Genesis, let's consider the law. God had really very few rules in the garden, right? Just do what you want, but just don't of this. And what is the thing that Satan attacked? He didn't come in and go, look at all you can do. Look how much freedom you have. No, he went to the one thing they were told not to do. Pride is the demise of this creation. It is what continually, that the sin inside of us continually begins to root up. You know, it's, it's that time of year when other, root, the other weeds begin to grow. And it's so hard to kill them. I have this huge tree in my front yard and forever, it's, it's, it, it just looked great. And I was mowing around it and the boys were putting out pine straw because I'm old and I hurt myself when I do things. And there was a root, I mean, as big as my thumb going all the way up in this tree. Man, I just began to pull on this thing, realized how far it went up, and it, it kind of was digging into the bark. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. It reminded me of Stranger Things, if you've ever seen that. And I just began to pull on it and pull on it and pull on it, and I finally get it out of the tree, and it was like 37 feet long. That's a really weird number. It's long. <laughs> it may have been 10 feet, I don't know. And then I had to reach down the ground to pull it up by the root. And it, and it did. It eventually came out. But I want to say this thing was just into it. And the, the more I look at sin, and this was just a beautiful example, the more I look at sin, especially in my own life, I begin to see it as that. It's not just a wad of garbage that we throw into a paper trail. Sin is this thing that what it, it so easily ensnares us and entangles us. And it's like these weeds and, that burr down into our soul. and They just hold on. And what Habakkuk is telling us is that this is not how we, would, how we should live. We should not live with this thing that is attached to us, this pride that truly is, is ingrained into every, create, every person that's created. If you want to boil all our sin back to the first thing, it's pride. And we see that the Scripture is encouraging us to get away from pride. And if you want to see that example, look at the, again at the life of Paul. That moment when Christ came into his life. And he went, as he says, from death into life. He began to shed those things. He began to look at the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. He began to look at, at how he would live moving forward. Not as someone that is puffed up and arrogant, but as someone that was humble. And humbled by God himself. I love when, you, when we look at this text in Habakkuk, and as we read, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. If you were to take this and, trans, and translate it back into the Hebrew, it reads almost backwards. But the literal translation is what they would use, and there's an emphasis that they would put on this. A just one by his faith shall live 
The last part of shall live was the exciting part for them. The just one, by his faith, shall live. The emphasis helps us understand that we have this life in Christ. We have this life that's been given to us to live. And again, it's not a life that should be entangled in sin. Like that root that wasn't around, weed that was around my tree. It should be one that is that Jesus himself removes that from us. And it wasn't good enough for me to pull the weed down and, and just drop it in the grass, was it? What do you have to do with those? You have to get down to the root. You've got to kill them. You've got to pull them out. That's one thing. I, I struggle at home so much to grow anything of substance because I always just get frustrated. It's not growing at the rate that I think it should. And, and then and I overwater it or I underwater it and it just eventually it just, I just kill it. But the more, some of you are laughing at me, <laughs> but the more patient I become in, in spending time with it, and then I talk to people who know more than I do, and I pay attention to what that plant is doing, guess what? It actually grows. So I successfully bought several plants for the house about a week and a half ago. They're not dead. They're blooming, they're red. One of them was really, really pretty and smelled amazing. And I got it home and Carla's like, that's rosemary. I'm like, we named our plant. This is beautiful. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a rosemary plant. I'm like, of course it is. I knew that. I did not know that. But every morning I go outside, y'all, and I talk to my plants. And I say things like, please don't die today. And I water them. And I sit outside and I just look at them. And then I get to the evening and I spend a little more time with them. But I'm protecting them. I'm looking for things, bugs that are eating them or, or potential weed that's going to get in them or some type of animal. Spending time with it. It's amazing when we spend time in the Word. And we spend time with our Creator. And the righteousness that He wants to give us. To live out our faith. And how Jesus will do the same thing. That he will prune. And he'll water. And he'll allow to grow. And he'll make sure the weeds are being plucked. Down to the root. When we spend time with him. I'm always encouraged by the Old Testament writers. That the faith. To walk forward. The faith that it took to, to have this belief and to preach and to teach and to share in a godless, sinful, corrupt place. And then I think about where we are. And that sin really hasn't changed. Our access to sin is still the same. Our desire for sin is still the same. But we get to live in a time now where we still get to struggle with the same things and we still get the, the opportunity to pray. We still have the opportunity to lean into heaven and say, God, I'm wrestling with this. Why aren't you doing anything? But I know what I'm going to do because your word tells me I should get on my knees and pray and that's what I'm going to do. Your word tells me if we humble ourselves and we pray to you that, and turn from our wicked ways that you'll heal our land. And folks, I just believe that that's true, that we can heal our land when it comes to prayer if we would just do it. As we close this morning, I want to challenge, challenge us with something that everyone can do. 
This morning, I think one of the things that we need to focus on is, is the time for prayer. And as we're leaning into a changing season on, on many levels, we can always pray. We can allow our righteousness, that the faith that we have, to bend our knees and just cry out to a holy God who wants to hear from us. These prophets of the Old Testament did this repeatedly. They would just cry out to God. They would hear from Him and then they would go and share. That story has not changed. We ourselves don't need a prophet. We just need to bow our knee. And so this morning as we begin to have a time of response, I want you to know that this, this stage here is a, is a place of safety and it's a place where you can, you can come and pray. There's many things you can pray for. You can, you can pray for the healing of our nation. You can, you can bring that circle in a little bit closer and you can pray for the healing of our local community. You can bring that circle in even a little bit tighter and you can pray for someone that you know specifically. And if you just want to pinpoint that circle... Physically grab that person if they're in this space and pray with them. Or make it your goal today to talk to them, to text them, to send some type of correspondence to encourage them, to pray for them. Let them know it. Rarely in my life have I ever said, hey, can I pray for you about this? And someone say, no. So this morning, let's stand together. And again, this, the altar is open to prayer. There's many things that we could pray about. But the question is, is will you do it? As a righteous person, with the, with the freedom that we have, would you pray? If you're not physically able to walk up, pray at your seat. This isn't about show. This is about our heart. And God looks at every heart. And He sees clearly inside of you. If you want to come and talk about salvation. If you have questions, I'm here to speak with you. Our staff is here. Many people in this room would love to have a conversation with you. If you have questions about church membership, baptism, we are here to greet you and to speak with you. But for a moment, let's, let's not be more encouraged about leaving this room and doing the next thing as we could be on mission to pray. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And Father, right now, we just commit this time to you. God, I pray for those that, that need to walk and to, to come forward to pray for so many different things, God. Pray that in boldness, Lord, be, be obedient to your word. And just like your servant, Paul, we would allow it to change us and to illuminate the sin in our life, God that you want to eradicate, that you will eradicate. No longer, Father, would we buy into the lies from Satan, the great deceiver, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God, we reject him. We rebuke him in your name today. And we pray for a holy movement. need you now more than ever, Lord Jesus. So you move freely in this place. We pray to you.